Welcome back to the Life Beyond the Summit Faith Journey Podcast for Men. I'm your host, Steve Crowdis. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Steve. Hey, Andrew, you know, this has been an interesting journey the last couple of podcasts. We've been working on this concept of whether or not we are all in uh, for the sake of living a life truly transformed and, you know, in the direction of living a godly life that is really what God has called us to through the cross. Are we all in? That, that's the big in? question. It's a it's a really interesting question, too, because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, it's really hard to be all in. There are so many things that distract. Um, I, I think of the our human, you know, I'm looking around my office here where we do this podcast, and it's a very comfortable office. And there's air conditioning, and there's... Right. There's, there's water available. Would you like something to drink? It's all right here at our fingertips. It's all very, very convenient. And I think it's also in the middle of that, it's easy to subscribe to the word when you live in total comfort. You know, we, I think a lot of believers have heard this statement that missionaries around the world, uh, in other parts of the world, often pray for the West, the church in the West, because they would say in large part, we don't really understand what it is to be deprived. Well, and be dependent. Well, it's not, it's not bad. No, it's not bad to have all these luxuries, but we live in a very technological, innovative, creative world with lots of gadgets. And are the gadgets bad or evil? No, no, not, but, 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 you know, living a simpler life, like you say, as a missionary, like in the Congo, um, you're laser focused on what you're there for as a missionary. Yeah. You're there to save souls. You're there to create a community of believers. And the focus is just very narrow and all these other things, including a nine to five job is not distracting you. Like it does us. If you look at our world, it's quite a bit different than it was a hundred years ago. Oh yeah. It it's uh, the internet has even complicated it even more social media, sure. TV, radio. It, it is it, it's, I don't want to use the word difficult, but it is very challenging to be all in when... When there's so much comfort around Yeah, you. there's a lot of comfort. I mean, folks that are, as you mentioned, you know, if you're a missionary to a, into a, a part of the world that's hyper-dangerous or that is literally jungle, like many are, many people, many missionaries find themselves into these, what I'll call ancient tribes that still exist in parts of the world that are very very dangerous you know there's pythons there's vipers there's all sorts of natural dangers that they have to navigate in order to get to where their target audience is uh you know i think i think of that movie i think it was called um oh goodness it would i think it had richard chamber i don't remember who the main actor was but it was a it was a movie a true story oh the mission it was called The Mission. Do you remember that movie? No, I don't think I've seen it. Okay, so The Mission, just real quickly, because it does apply to what we're talking about here, it was a movie about a Catholic missionary effort to South America. And I don't remember specifically what country in South, maybe Peru or somewhere, is Peru, isn't Peru in South America? Yeah. yeah okay. Some some really wild outback place. And um, it, it, was, it was hyper-challenging. I mean, to give up all the comfort of this world and go to a place that's going to challenge you to survive on a daily basis just to survive the basic needs, water and food, gathering those elements in order to go on mission 
to reach a tribe. It's just amazing. We just have no idea. Yeah. And I think it's really easy, you know, to, to find ourselves into faith in these comfortable surroundings, uh, which allows us to disconnect a little bit from dependence on God, to be thankful for what we have, but to allow that, that have to get a hold of us. Well, and we talked about Steve Jobs. You yeah. called him Stephen yeah. Jobs, but Steve Jobs, who had everything, worth $9 billion at the time. It's probably worth now more like $25 billion or yeah. $20 billion. Yeah. And how he, he was kind of lamenting that it was all kind of not a waste of time, but what it, what it, it's not going to save him from death. And that a $30 watch tells the time Just of a $300 like watch. Yeah. So the Bible says, be in this world and not of this world. So mm. we're in the world of St. Louis doing a podcast with technology everywhere, all the distractions of life. Mm-hmm. So how are we supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Um, as it says in Matthew 22. Yeah, Jesus's words were, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And so I think today we want to, we want to sort of work around that a little bit, talk, talk about that and really dive into what's that look like practically? I mean, do we have to do what he called the rich young ruler to do? And I, maybe it just depends on what he's speaking to our hearts. You know, in the podcast before last, we talked about the monkeys of Barneo, that whole Mm -hmm. thing with holding on to something that we can't let go of. And we're until we let go of that, until we release our, our clinch on it, we won't find freedom, as was the case with the, that illustration. So what we're going to have to do, Andrew, from my perspective, whatever God speaks to us as individuals or as families to do. Um, yeah, I, I would interject and say this, that what happened to me was, you know, it's easy to say, okay, that's it. I'm going to get rid of all the things that make me happy. I'm going to try to downsize my life. I'm going to try to keep things more simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of ways you can go with this, but the way I the way I think of it is like this, Steve. I want to be all in, so I want to love the Lord my God with all that I have. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I have to that 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 should be my main focus. Okay, not right. that I've got a computer, two extra computers, and a whole entire closet full of clothes that most of them I don't wear. That's not the focus. The focus is I want to love the Lord with all that I have. And as I press into that relationship, then I have to trust him that he will show me what I have to adjust and what how I need mm-hmm, to think mm-hmm. and what perspective I have. Let him do the work. Mm-hmm. Let him do the work in my heart Which first. Which should be. And then in my brain. And yeah. then if I have to do some of the things that you just talked about, um, you know, we can, we can, there's, there's a lot of different angles there, but, but the main focus should be, I have to make an adjustment and I have to spend time with knowing who the Lord is. Mm-hmm. And this is how we kind of ended the, the podcast last time is, you know, Steve Jobs obviously didn't get a hold of this at all. Right. He was wrapped around his business. He found a lot of joy in it. And truthfully, there's a lot of joy in being successful. Mm-hmm. You build something new, you oh, come yeah. up with stuff that's creative, oh, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. It's very satisfying. Yeah, but but he missed it. He missed it. He didn't mention anything about God Almighty, even the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't mention about Jesus, mm-hmm. who was sent to save us. So I, as far as I'm concerned, he, he might, unfortunately, he may have missed the whole thing. 
he was talking about it all came down to investing in people and relationships. In that respect, he hit it. Yeah, if you want to hear that podcast, that's the one right before this. Uh, that would have been part two of Am I All In? Yeah. It's worth listening to because we make the comparison between Solomon, uh, the the you know the most successful man to ever live, certainly the wealthiest man, considered to be one of the wisest people. Didn't you do research on his. him that he was worth? Yeah. Yeah, he was worth, what was it? Uh, current day's wages, $2.1 trillion. Yeah, right, in, in today's wages. Yeah. Wealthiest man, most wise man, and his whole thing was to live a life uh, through the lessons he could teach all of us that would follow him, not to live a life that pursues the things of this world, but to pursue God with all your heart. That was his conclusion in Ecclesiastic yeah. that yeah, is kind of all worthless yeah. without no, what was his final conclusion that we should just fear the Lord? Yeah, just fear the and Lord. And there was great joy oh, yeah. in living a life fearing the Lord and doing his commandments. Yeah. And so he kind of got it in the end, but maybe time ran out. We don't know, maybe he lived till 90. Yeah, it was Ecclesiastes 12, 13. This was Solomon's final conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of mankind, of all of mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments. So, again, this is coming from a guy who had achieved it all. There was no status higher than his status. He had well, remember he he partook of every delicacy, every uh, I mean, a huge, uh, tremendous amount of women that were in his kingdom or his harem. And he experienced all the pleasures of having, you know, all that, all the wealth, all the power, all the status, all the bronzes, the castles, the kingdom, people coming to him, ask Queen of Sheba, and other people asking him about his wisdom. I mean, he, in terms of tasting life and getting all of it, it doesn't even compare to Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or anybody. I mean, he, 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 he grabbed it all. And in the end, he's lamenting in Ecclesiastes that it's worthless. Yeah. It, it just doesn't add up to anything. You know, so I like that scripture, to, to, uh, to live is to know Christ. To live is to know Christ and to die is gain. Yeah, yeah. to live is Christ, to die is gain. Absolutely. You know, you know yeah, it's, you're right, Andrew. He, um, he, on both the good and the bad side of, of experiencing, tasting, testing, he had done it on both sides of that, the, the good and the evil. Yes. And there was, he was never... In those things, he could never find complete satisfaction. Never. Try as he may, he never discovered satisfaction. And Steve Jobs said the same thing. You know, he made the comparison of a watch, you know, a $30 watch versus a $3,000 watch or whatever the dollar values were, uh, a Mercedes versus a a Yugo, a a private jet versus a commercial airplane, a, a, a fancy car versus, you know, whatever. You get to the same destination um, yet there is great trial and trouble with the things that are the finest of this world. You know, I, Andrew, you know, just before we went on, I, I mentioned, you know, it's, it, it's great to have, let's say a new car, but the newness, it's amazing. Even as for us as adults, how quickly the newness of anything, it's exciting when you first get it, even if it's a flashlight or a knife or a, mm-hmm. Whatever it might be, it's always exciting. The, the the fishing rod, the boat, the car, whatever it is, it's always exciting for the first little bit. And it's not long before our flesh desires something else new and shiny. And I think of uh, I think of a car, for example. You buy a brand new car, you're so excited about when you go to pick it up. The new car smell, 
you know, you, you sign the paperwork, they give you the keys, you drive away from the dealership, you wait a few days, you got that anticipation, they say, let us get it ready. It'll be in the, it'll be in sure. the delivery room. You know, seriously, the dealers use all these terms. It'll be in the delivery area. So you go to pick it up. They, they give you a, you know, a little basket of goodies or whatever. Enjoy your car. <laughs> you drive off and you enjoy that. And then here's what's interesting. The drip, drip, drip of a monthly payment. Right. And it's not long. Well, it's and pretty, now, it could be a pretty high loans, payment. <laughs> yeah. It could be a high payment. And now because of the cost of new vehicles, and even used vehicles, you can get these almost jumbo loans, like a seventy-two month, a six-year loan. Yeah, seventy-two months. If people ride that loan all the way out, it's not long before the value of the car is less than what they owe on it. Right. And and what a burden it is then to make that six hundred dollar payment month after month after month. Yeah. Like a clicking hourglass or, or clicking clock, you know, a second hand. Yeah, but yet yet the eyes, yet the eyes and the desire for new things. Never end. It just seems like it, even ends. on a small scale, like you say, a knife. Yeah, oh, a, you and I both a, a like flashlight, and flashlights. You know, a new this, a, watch. a new that. We like watches, of course. You know, you know. It's funny you were talking oh, about talk about the watches. That is a, <laughs> that is a funny one. We the cruise. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, but I will say this: <laughs> I will say this that if you look at um, Solomon's life, yeah, he. I think he understood in the end in the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh yeah, he did. And then he'd take a look at his father, David. David has, David's, you know, did sleep with Bathsheba and sin greatly and great, terrible, you know, consequences happened because of that. But people remember David. If you ask, well, who is David and what did he do? And people remember him as a psalmist, a great king. They also say he was a God after, he was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. So what he did different than I think his son I don't know why his son didn't see this earlier. Sure. Yeah. So, so he was, by the way, real yeah. quick, Solomon, it was at the end of his life, just like Steve Jobs, right? At the end of his the latter years of Solomon's life is that is when he remembered this, and he was raised by David, a man after God's own heart. Yeah, and he didn't get it. Yeah, go ahead. And I think said. I think I wish he would have looked at his father and you know, maybe as a boy, saw the way that he worshiped the Lord, saw that the way that he he danced before the Lord, saw that he lived a life that was, I would say he was all in. I mean, he, obviously, he had he his, he had his fell, stumbles yes. and falls, but he has that reputation after a, a, a man after God's own heart that Solomon never had. I th- I'm just thinking, like, if Solomon, you know, in their 20s, I think maybe you can cut people a little bit of slack, and their 30s, but could he have made that change in his late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s, late 40s, and saw saw the all the things that he was doing and saw that they weren't satisfying him and then looked at his dad and maybe looked at some of the people in the court, maybe his mentors, people he had took advice from, and obviously he became a king. So I'm sure he had advisors, lots of advisors, probably lots of godly advisors trying to follow the law. Could he have not made that change, Steve? You, uh, well, he could have. You know, it reminds me of the scripture that says that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. I mean, you, you, and for, he was still dealing with that. And he was still dealing with that. On a, just a large he, scale. He could, a large scale. So instead he of trying to get 100 bars of gold, go he was trying it. to get 10,000 bars of gold. Couldn't let go of it. It was too, I mean, I, and it really, I, I, we can see it too, Andrew, on our little miniature scale. Things that that glitters is attractive. It's just we're drawn to it. It's just the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of her eyes, 
the desires for the things of this world. It, it really is a problem. And, you know, you're right, David, I think where David was really unique was that underlying all of his fallenness, he really did, and I think this is why God referred to him as a man after his own heart, was because David over and over demonstrated broken humility, even though he had plenty of stumblings. And some of the stuff he stumbled into was traumatic. I mean, you know, sure. the, the whole well, thing sent, with uh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba's yeah, husband to his death. To his death. Those are very, you know, so that's those pretty are much, awful things. See, that's pretty much murder. It's murder. Yeah, I think you would call that murder. But 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 it's really cool that um, without a, a third party telling him, he found his way to repentance. He found his way to brokenness. And I think, you know, there, it's very clear, too, that David really did, was really focused on an eternal perspective. I mean, he knew... That that he had seen God work in his life from his youngest years. You know, it's 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 David that slayed Goliath. Yeah, he was chased by King Saul. Yeah, you, for, you remember this for a very long time. Oh, yeah. and God had oh, saved yeah, his even that. saved him multiple times. Yeah, and we have Psalms because of it, or lots yeah. of lots of scriptures because of it. How God, you know, God good works to save us, literally save us from death. Yeah, from the from the hand of King Saul. David was, I think, a great representation of what all of us are with the added bonus and benefit of having this broken, sweet spirit toward God. You know, he spent his early years in the pasture, and I've heard a lot of commentary about it, and I I remember uh, Pastor Ron Tucker once shared this, that David, uh, in in his heart after God, he was a guy who spent his time gazing on God and glancing at the world's problems, and and Ron Tucker used that illustration specifically uh, with regard to Goliath. You know, Goliath was nothing to him because he saw how great his God was. So an interesting thing here, from a young age, yes, as David grew and became mature and, and the lust of his flesh really blossomed, you know, in our youth we're innocent, but as we come into, right. as we come to age, even sexually, as we mature, our bodies mature, that's when that lust thing begins to generate uh, momentum. And so he, but the cool thing about David is he spent all those early years in really deep, quiet reflection and meditation and really built a relation, built a foundation that though he would stumble, he would then in a healthy way fall to his knees. Well, let me, let me propose this to you. Could you make the case that because of David's relationship with the Lord, it was a really special relationship that he, he had he had this understanding, a spiritual understanding, that really think like unlike his son, that things did not matter as much as knowing him. I think, in other that's words, 100% true. he great he got his greatest satisfaction, his greatest hole being filled only by serving the Lord and doing His work, and his relate. There's plenty of psalms. Psalm one nineteen talks about the word that the word satisfies that the word brings completion it fills your soul it fills your heart it you know and his relationship he i, I would say um, now we're kind of we didn't go want to go this way but we were planning it but if you compare the two david the father and solomon the son david had a relationship with god that solomon didn't and in that relationship steve he sought that greatest commandment i'm sure he knew it just like Jesus know it, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Or all you all let's 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 use as the the current. Are you all in? 
he knew the Lord. He knew that things weren't that important. He knew that eternity is what counted. He knew that his time on earth was limited. It was limited to hopefully he got 70 years. Maybe, you know, back then you only got 50 years. I don't actually know how old he was. He probably got to an old age because the Bible says, with long life he shall satisfy us. Mm -hmm. I don't think 30 years is long life. But he, from his relationship with, with seeking him and his trials and all the twists that come in life, he kept going back to God. He kept serving the Lord. He kept seeking, seeking him yeah. through his word and through prayer. And he got a revelation. It may not have come you know, instantly, but over time, that his son only may have really discovered at the very, very end. Yeah, well, you, you look at the difference in the way the two were raised, too. I mean, I can only imagine that by, by the time Solomon was born, his father had already achieved uh, a level of, of notoriety, success, and prominence. Uh, so Solomon was day, was raised in a different uh He was raised in, in the court, in the courthouse. Yeah. The, the court of his kingdom. Yeah, the kingdom. He probably had David, almost everything he needed. I, I don't, you know, this is not so good to admit, but I don't know a lot about the history of David himself, but I do know that he was a shepherd. So he his environment was a humble and meek. But he was of, nothing until um, the prophet came and said, well, oh, where yes. is your, where, where is, is your, there's, there's, there's a son, son here. We're missing something. We're mi- yeah, and he, and, and he, God wants to he wanted to bless, yeah. and they found, oh yeah, there's one more son. I'm kind of keeping yeah, it no, pretty that's simple. Correct. That's correct. Oh, you have one more son. Yeah, he's out he's there out the uh, taking care of the, the the sheep. He brings him in and he prophesies over him that he will be great one day. Yeah. And lo and behold, it may not have happened that day. Obviously, it didn't. But when time came to slay the giant, guess what? That was the one, the last kid from Jesse, yeah. who the bloodline would come through, who's Jesus Christ. And that's something to note too, Andrew. Uh, to that point, the prophet that came to seeking to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to his heart, the prophet was seeking who God directed his hand to, which was the simple, the simplest. This was not who the father would have ever chosen. You cannot possibly be talking about my son who's out in the pasture. That's kind of what his his attitude was. What are you talking about? These are the rising star sons of mine. You yeah. can't possibly want that little boy out in the the, so, the one who's achieved achieved success. Yeah, that that says something too. Should to all of us, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and His ways are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And look at what He did. And He that. takes He's that prophet, the young, used, well, the foolish things this, of the yeah, world the to confound the, to confound the the wise. So what does that say to us about all our wisdom, all our wealth, all of our achievements, all of our success? Wow, is it really is it really I just think it's amazing that God took this little kid who you know, think about this, you guys, because we don't have any experience um shepherding. That he had maybe fifty sh- sheep and he had to corral them, you know, day after day yeah. to make sure that one of them didn't escape. And he, he had encountered bears, maybe lions, and he talks oh, yeah. about how he would, with his bare hands, how he slayed, he slayed them, yeah. and he had seen God deliver them. Yeah. And so when he looked at Goliath, he thought, "Well, I can, you know, take down these other animals. I can take down this big human." But that's not where I'm getting to. So, so he he found God found David, 
and he raised David up amidst an enemy, King Saul, an mm-hmm. enemy mm-hmm. trying to try. He, he turned on David, and he ha- and then he became the king of Israel, Steve, with all these lands and all these people and all the pressures and the problems that come with you know having enemies at your at your uh, surrounding you you know different countries and all the trappings of the problems that come as a king yeah, yeah. and yet he this is a very convicting he w- he maintained a relationship with the lord in my opinion was very vibrant for many years mm-hmm. for decades now, obviously he fell with the problem with Bathsheba but he was called a man after God's own heart. It's the third time I've said it. So how how about us? Well, you know, you know wait, you compare this king with all the problems, and yet yeah. we can't get our act together and try to love the Lord and spend a little bit of time, either in the morning or during the evening, reading scripture, turning yeah. on a, a Christian worship song, uh, having communion. Right. I mean, all these, uh, how, how come we can't get it together? There's a couple other cool uh, observations, too, about that. Um, you know, you realize we have, David didn't have the cross. We have a relationship with God because Jesus came and delivered a relationship through his dying on the cross. And then he says, I'm going to send a helper. I mean, so the Holy Spirit, which any who believe in him have living and dwelling inside them as they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So David didn't have that. That's David, right. David had the Old Testament and he had this old-fashioned notion of a just pure, simple relationship with God, apart from the cross and apart from the, the counselor, the helper, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He did not have that. Right. His, his relationship was direct to God, and yet he didn't have what we know we, knew, we need today to have a relationship with. It's really amazing. It really, yeah. it really magnifies how quickened he was to the conviction of the Lord. Yes, and I won't say Holy Spirit because we didn't. That helper wasn't here. The Holy Spirit wasn't indwelling. Right. I think you make an argument that him having that what I call a we vibrant so relationship is much harder without the Holy Spirit yes. living in argument. you, and not and and in the old covenant that he was trying to follow the law, which we know doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, it's, it fails. Yeah. See, it's like his oh, hurdles yeah. were much greater than our hurdles. Yeah. In his desiring God, knowing God, seeing God, in his, in other words, I just think he did a better job yeah. than most of us do oh, yeah. in pursuing knowing who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob yeah, was. Yeah, here's the other cool thing, as you stated about the law, he didn't focus on the law for the sake of the law. He saw the law as a means of building a relationship with the Father. That was what the intention of the law was. And we have proof of that in the Pharisees and all the the hierarchy of the Jewish community. When Jesus came to the face of this earth as a child, you know, he was rejected. I mean, these are guys that had a great knowledge. So one of the things I want to say is that just knowledge alone, reading, studying, prepping, doesn't really cut it. If that, if taking that to a paradigm shift in our mind, to a perspective shift, to where okay, so what? Why do I want to get all this knowledge? What is the purpose of the knowledge? The purpose of the knowledge, if you want to gain knowledge, is for the sole purpose of transformation, so that you can begin to build this relationship, 
based on knowledge, take that knowledge to allow it to transform. I talked about last time, you remember, Andy, the washing of the water of the word. You, I, I use the analogy of dyeing clothes. You have to fully immerse the clothes in a combination of water and dye, mm-hmm. and that dye then gets through the whole fiber of all the material. Well, in the same way, the word, when we go to read the word, we can't just read it from the perspective of gaining knowledge. We have to say, Lord, transform me, use this knowledge, use an understanding of who you are and what your word says about you in order to bring me into a oneness relationship with you. It should all be about that oneness relationship. And, you know, what the other part of what David uh, demonstrates through uh, through his life is that he, he demonstrates that when we do not track with God, we lose, period. Yes. And David lost. Every time he took his eyes off the Lord, he grew weary, faint, and subject to the desires of his flesh. He, he grew weary and became uh, the, then the concerns of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and power and any other word you want to put in there. All of those things began to overtake him. Should it be any wonder to us, those things have that same potential power in us to defeat us, to bring us down, to bring us to a place of, of the wrong kind of brokenness. Right. But the, you know, the difference is, is that David may have taken his eyes off of the Lord for a time. Yeah. But his son took his eyes off the Lord for decades and oh, yeah. decades yeah. and decades. You know, you don't have the same thing in the Old Testament written about his son that you do David. And, and again, look at the environment that Solomon was raised in. Right. The, you, you called it the... the but, court, but Steve, you know, he could have done a better job, clearly. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and no doubt, here generationally, no doubt, the full pause of his father helped him stumble. Dad can't even get this right. He professes God, but well, he can't even get it right. Yeah, I mean, David, I'm sure that Dad, Dad had a lot of trouble. David had a lot of troubles that, with his family. Yeah. So yeah, he yes, did fail yeah, there. Yeah, he failed there. He had a lot of trouble with family. But what's, but again, what's so cool about him, yeah, he had all these failings and all this frailty, but he, but the, he found freedom when he returned to the truth. Then the truth set him free. When he found that, when he'd go back to the freedom represented by his, in his relationship with God, that's where he found life. Yeah, it's funny. When I life. read a, the book of Ecclesiastes, it's such a strange oh book. Oh, goodness. Um, and I have to admit, I haven't read it very often, but you, somehow, the first time I read it, I was like, wait, does this, does this book belong in the Bible? You really got to read it from front to back, and you realize that um, that it's all true. Yeah. It's all true. It's a man at the end of his years kind of going through his perspective on how he's lived and what he's accomplished and all the things that he's seen and heard and done, and then saying it pales in comparison to fearing the Lord and doing his commandments. I know that's a very quick and easy way of explaining it, but that is how important fearing the Lord is. If you fear the Lord, you'll walk in his ways, and you will naturally do his commandments. I want to say one more thing about David is, I believe David didn't come to understand who God was, you know, just by, you know, it, it comes over time. You know, the more he sought the Lord year after year, decade after decade, I think God was able to give him great insight. How much more does the Holy Spirit give us now that the Holy Spirit lives in us? And as you said, he, Jesus and God has sent the helper. And how much more now do we... 
do we not have an excuse to follow him and to get to know him? So in knowing him, this is the freedom that comes as we get to seek his face and get to know him through his word. I keep saying through his word because that's mainly how we get to know him, but we also can feel him. We can also, you know, enter into praise and worship, but, but through his word, we get to know his character Mm -hmm. and I love it. It's like, um, if you will do this, you know, if you will seek me, you will find me. Mm -hmm. Now imagine Imagine going to Las Vegas and feeding a slot machine. Okay, do you know that people have kind of an idea that if you feed it often enough with quarters or now they have tokens, you will get a reward. The problem is the reward doesn't equal the well, the yeah. amount that you're feeding. But, you know, God promises as we seek him, we will find him. Yeah. And so it's it's 100% um, reward, Steve. You, you don't get that all anywhere else in life. And the reward that comes from knowing him is beyond anything we could ever desire from this world. And it's 100%. And the knowledge, the understanding of who he is reigns supreme. Mm. And he'll show us, he'll show us, I, I'm a witness to this, as we as we seek him, and I not not just seek him, but with all of our heart. If you'll try this for all the people who haven't done it, if you say that's it, I'm gonna I'm gonna test this. God will open up a brand new uh, space in your brain that you'll want to know Him more. Absolutely. And for whatever reason, you'll want to start helping people. I remember coming to a point that I I was never like this before. Call me selfish. Call me too ambitious. Call me heartless. I've never wanted to help people more than I do now. It, it's oh, it is the I heart of God that, for sure. that has transformed me. And Steve, yeah. I think you can relate to that. Oh, totally. You know, I, again, Jesus' words here in, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, and I think t- to Andrew's point, there's a really good reason that he's saying this: love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I think that what we see demonstrated in David is that the minute he took the all out of that equation. He found himself far away from God. The minute that he took back some of the all he was willing to give, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your heart, I mean, it's a big deal. It it is not a a uh, insignificant thing. I think that's why it says, "Broad is the path, narrow the gate." The, the broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow the gate that leads to eternal life. And that's, I think, in part why Jesus said. Hey, we did all these things. And and he says, but I never knew you. I mean, that that's how challenging this is. God God wants to and I now in contrast, David did some bad things, but David demonstrated over and over and over again and why I want to go back to this. He had a very strong foundation. Even though he waned and he grew weary at times and he he lent himself to the lust of his eyes the lust of his flesh. That doesn't necessarily mean sexual lust, although we have that illustration with him. We don't know all the lusts that he was exposed to. Certainly, there were many of the same lusts that we are. The love of money, the cares of this world, You know, we, we know about those things. But it's very easy for lust to take on any different form or shape or configuration. But the minute that because he had such, this is what's important, I think, here for me to get across to you and I, Andrew, and even the audience. 
this foundation. He had this strong, strong, strong foundation that in the end, it provided a way of escape. It brought him back to center. It brought him back to understanding the truth. And when he wrestled with that truth in the right light, he experienced freedom. Yeah, and I think I think all of us can build a f- better foundation. Oh, well, you know what, Andrew, too, I think another illustration, I was about to say this about the the pursuance of righteousness. You know, it's often uh, referred to, you know, metaphorically light and dark. If you go into it, this is a fascinating thing, and we all know this, but I'm just going to say it because I want you to think about it a minute. If you go into a pitch black area, like take a cave, you're deep in the cave, and it is black in there. It is totally black. The minute you turn the light on, the black is the darkness is completely gone within nanoseconds. The the speed of light. Okay, so think about this: when we tr- when we turn the truth of God's word loose in our lives, darkness flees because clearly wherever that light ray is, there is no darkness. In fact, there's a scripture that says that light cannot have fellowship with darkness by definition. Where there is light, there is no darkness. Right. So if you, if you try this, this, this is the other side of it. That means that when, when the light is full and bright and all is seen and all is exposed, that's the other benefit to the light, that God reveals himself through the light. So if the light is his word and the light is prayer and the light is a relationship with him, the minute, watch this, the minute that you turn the flashlight out in this totally pitch black arena. Or Let space, me guess. Instant darkness. Right. I mean, it's not it's not eroded into darkness. It is done. You're in, and I think that's why he's saying here, look, there's only one way to do this. Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That means the light is on. The beam is focused. The truth is setting us free. With all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. That's about all there is to us. That's right. That's, that's the three major components of our existence. Heart, soul, and mind. And of yeah. course, we got body in there too, but... All of these things, I mean, in a physical sense, but um, I think it's important for us to realize that we, from the moment we are conceived, we are conceived into an eternal experience. And these these momentary years that we have are so fleeting. They're 80 years. And for us, 80, 90 years, whatever, maybe 100 for some, but relative to eternity, that's nothing. That is the blink of an eye. That is the on-off of a, a flashlight. It's a nanosecond. And so if we can get our perspective right, you know, I think I've said on here, I know I've said to you, Andrew, I, I, a friend of mine gave me this piece of rope. It's just a couple of feet long to make the demonstration. The tip of that is, is, has been dipped in red paint just to make a point to the contrast between the red paint and the white rope that remains. And the, the illustration is that little red represents the length of our lifespan and the rest of the rope represents eternity. Well, Think about this. Why would we, it doesn't make any sense to let our full perspective be focused on the 80 when we're, when we're eternal. Now, you, obviously, a person has to subscribe, subscribe to that truth that we're eternal. But, you know, I, I like to say that those who don't believe, that, don't believe that God created us, they are our brothers, they are our sisters, they just have not met our Father. We are eternal. End of statement. And the sooner we get a hold of that and begin to experience what God has intended for us to experience on an eternal level, the better off we'll be. And I, I you know, so I, I told you earlier about a, a fellow that I know in town here that owns a business and that his business is totally focused on glorifying God. And so I think there really is a way to do this. There is a way to go about the business of living uh, 
with an eternal perspective and allowing that to transform not only our own lives, but the lives of those around us in a way that's impacting for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of an eternal relationship with God. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, this business owner, goodness, he's got Bible studies all over the, all over the office space. It's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, you know, so just, that proves that you can own a business, have employees, have issues built built with with money coming in, not yeah. coming in, and then you can still serve the Lord. You can still serve the Lord. We don't have to. This doesn't have to be compartmentalized into the the spiritual and the natural. The two can commingle if we have the right perspective. And I think that perspective is that God desires an eternal relationship with us. He built us for relationship with Him. You know, I've used the analogy, last thing I'll say here before we maybe spin off to our next podcast but for another day, but I've used the analogy of a pen. Aren't we thankful the pen has discovered its purpose? And I've held a pen up at a, at a speaking engagement, and the guy in the, I'll ask the guy in the deepest part of the auditorium, maybe he's 100 feet from me, what is it I'm holding up? He immediately identifies it as a pen. And why is that? Because the pen has spoken to its own purpose. When people begin to see themselves as God, as, as the way God sees us, it totally changes our perspective. And now everything we touch moves into the proper perspective of, God, you've created me for relationship with you, and everything that surrounds me is designed to glorify you. That's right. Amen? And, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And we know that Jesus talked a lot about um, bearing fruit. And we want to end our lives looking back, not like Steve Jobs looked back, just kind of, leaving Jesus out of it completely. Oh, yes. But looking back and saying, hey, you know what? I did bear fruit for the kingdom. Yeah. I did talk to these people about the Lord, and they got saved, and I did plant seeds over here. I had good deeds. I, um, I you know, sought him. I, I prayed to him for many, many years. I went to church. I made a difference in people's lives. I made a difference in the community. And you know what? I, I did have, I may not have done everything perfectly. And there were years maybe where I stumbled yeah. and fell, but I did bear fruit. I did bear fruit. And with that, I feel like I can leave this world um, on a good note. And not looking back, Stephen, thinking, oh, sh- I should have done this and I shouldn't have worked should've, so hard. And yeah, I kept working and I kept distract, being distracted and I kept obfuscating and saying, I'll do it a different day or I'll take care of that later. And then the forties became the fifties. And then the the fifties became the sixties. I had grandchildren. They kept me busy. And I never quite got around to that fruit bearing thing that Jesus talked about. And you don't, you know, it doesn't say that it it says, it says in, in, in the, this thing about being a tree bearing fruit, some will produce 30, some 60, some a hundred full, but I would be, you know, honestly, I would be much happier with 100, but I'll take the 30, Steve, because we have stumbled. We've had many in-between years where we did not do this. We were bogged down in the things of this world. We just did not follow our own recipe here. So I don't know how many fruit I may have. Hopefully I've got a few. But don't be like Solomon who, or Steve Jobs or many rich people, and they look back and say, well, look at my kingdom I've got $5 million in the bank or I've got, um, I own several houses or I've accomplished this or accomplished that. I created this, I created that. Well, what did you do for the kingdom? Because we know aside from that, everything's not going to matter. It's going to be weighed. There's going to be an eternal scale. 
you know, one side goes up. I imagine this eternal scale, Steve, not digitally, you know, it's yeah. the old fashioned scale that when you go to the market and you buy fruit and they start to weigh it with, with little weights, well, God's scale, one side's going to go up and one side's going to go down. And the side that rises up on the, on that old kind of metal kind of, or uh, kind of bronze scale is, is the fruit that you bore. Yeah. Is the people that you've yeah. touched and the things that you've made in this world. What's going to go down, in my opinion, is all the stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah, so yeah you're right. It's all wh- gonna, where is your perspective? We can't take any of this with us. It all di- You know, even the concerns, the worries, the things that hurt me as a kid, the statements that were made by whoever, that all dies. It all falls into darkness at the end of 80 years. It's not something that goes along with us. You know, Andrew just quoted without quoting it directly, Luke eight fifteen, uh, which says, but the seed on good soil, this is Jesus's words, stands for those with a good and noble heart. And it says, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Wow. Listener to this podcast, me, Andrew, anybody, don't we want to be 30, 60, a hundredfold producers. How do we do that? Being men, being women, being children after God's own heart. That is the solution. So, you know, gosh, I just want to encourage us. You guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for sitting with us. Thanks for breaking the bread of God's word with us. Go and study that scripture, Matthew's words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The way that that's going to work out in your life is going to vary. For some, it'll be more than for others. For others, it will be great things to have to give up. But for all of us, it's dying to self. And if you haven't started, just start. Yeah, just start. Just go there. Well, you guys, gosh, we, uh, we love you. We care about you. We're praying for you. We're believing the best for you mostly we're believing for a deep committed transformative relationship that you too can enjoy with the lord through his son jesus christ allow the holy spirit to speak truth to you allow yourself to be changed and transformed the uh, website is lifebeyondthesummit.com you can reach me at my gmail uh, lifebeyondthesummit@gmail.com. my phone number 314-581-4272 hey listen until next time be richly blessed Stay true to the Lord, read his word, spend your time in prayer, communicate with him. Until next time, God bless.